0: Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes and this week I'm going to be talking about Red White in Brothers War. I'd mentioned previously that I was likely done with Brothers War. I thought that I was going to be able to talk about Dominaria Remastered this week because there'd been some interest in that. Unfortunately, I thought that it was going to be coming out on Magic Online uh, this previous weekend and it didn't. it's not coming out for a few weeks, I don't know why, and so I haven't had a chance to play with it. So... The way the schedule works, I'm not sure if I'm going to end up having an opportunity to cover it or not. That'll be determined later, Uh, but I'm finishing Brothers War with Red White now. So I think it's good, ultimately, to cover uh, Red White in this format because uh, it is the best performing archetype. So before I get too far into it, I want to remind everyone uh, the notes are available at patreon.com slash drafting archetypes if you want to follow along so as i was saying uh red white is the it's the third most drafted deck but it's the best performing so i mentioned previously that red black is the most drafted by quite a bit uh again i think that's just because the earlier like the removal spells that are high picks put people into those colors red white is pretty close to i think it's blue white whatever is in second and uh it's so it's Reasonably heavily drafted and the uh, has the best success despite that. I think that to some extent, its success might be bolstered by how just like incredibly straightforward the archetype is. There are some archetypes that I feel like you need to kind of understand something about how to draft them. Or there might be like a mislead or something, um, you know, some kind of like, oh, you need to draft it in this certain way to get the most out of it. And while that's true for red-white, the best way to draft it is not anything, you know, unexpected. Uh, You're basically just trying to have a good curve of creatures and removal in a very traditional red-white aggressive deck. And, you know, the signpost Falaji Vanguard pretty clearly points you in that direction. There, There aren't a lot of, like, misleads or anything. There aren't... It's not like there are some you know, strong cards that aren't good in this archetype or anything. It, it's pretty straightforward. The basic uh, prioritization of commons is uh, unearth creatures over uh, removal, over flyers, over other things. So the two best performing uncommons are Scrapwork Cohort and Scrapwork Mutt, followed by Excavation Explosion and a Prison Sentence. Those are the premier removal spells. Um, those are the only ones you want to take over the good flyers. So after those, you have Airlift Chaplain, Ambush Paratrooper, and Aeronaut Cavalry. And those are kind of your priorities. Uh, so that's mostly white cards, right? It's like Mutt is kind of a red card and Explosion's red, and then Cohort's kind of white. Prison Sentence and all the flyers are white. I think that this deck often ends up looking slightly more like, you know, white creatures with red removal, but... Not exactly, because you play some white removal, you play some red and white tricks. And, you know, the the kind of first string of good non-flyers are the premier red aggressive creatures like Goblin Blast Runner and Pendragon Strongbowl and Rock Hunter. And then kind of the other ground creatures that you're interested in are the white two drops and Warlord's Leap with uh, the 2-2 Vigilance that gets power when an artifact enters being better than uh, the power Stone Engineer. I think, you know, beyond the like unearth removal flyers, you're basically just looking to draft a curve, you know, some of like which of those good curve creatures you want is going to depend on some minor synergies. Like, is this a good strong bull deck? Am I good at like triggering blast runner kind of stuff? But for the most part, I think the synergies matter less than just having a good curve. I think that there are a lot of good combat tricks, Military Discipline, Lorenz Escape, and Whirling Strike are all cards you're pretty happy to play. I'm generally somewhere between a Supply Drop Apologist and a Supply Drop fan, but this is not the deck for Supply Drop. You are definitely prioritizing mana efficiency over like the long-term value of getting the extra card, and you don't really do anything that really values having the artifact as an object the way that blue decks do. Um, with like animation and machine over matter, you're generally going to want to avoid supply drop in red white aggro and focus on the um in red, white in general, and focus on the more efficient tricks. There are a lot of uncommons that I'm just happy to first pick that go into this archetype or support this archetype in terms of like how do you get into red, white? It's mostly just take good cards. <laughs> You know, static net, horn, stone seeker, astronauts harvester, obliterating bolt, combat thresher, giant Cinderma, recruitment officer, mistress research desk, all just premium uncommons that are the best performing uncommons in this archetype. Because again, the archetype is just about, you know, good cards more than synergy. Those are good cards in general. They're good cards in this archetype. No surprise there. Believe it or not, despite my saying, oh, this is just a really easy archetype. Just take the good cards and have a curve and nothing matters. I do actually have some things to say about it. So splashing. I get asked pretty often, um, is this an archetype where you should splash? When should you splash? What should you splash? And looking at recent trophy decks, I will say that red-white decks splashed reasonably often. Often for one or two gold uncommons and they often had uh you know one or two evolving wilds one or two off color basics one or two energy reflectors maybe a chromatic star or sphere or whatever uh to power that splash despite seeing it reasonably frequently among trophy decks i don't think you should do it i you know, generally say the more aggressive your deck is, the less you want to splash. And while this is a format that makes splashing relatively easy and scrapwork mutt makes it less punishing if you draw your splash card and you can't cast it and stuff like that, I don't think you want to mess around with that in this archetype. I think you really want to keep things clean and simple and you don't want to mess around with like casting energy or fracture most of the time. That, despite being... You know, arguably contradicted by the trophy decks is very much supported by the stats in 17 Lands. There are no uncommon gold cards or cards from other colors or weirdly expensive cards that have uh good stats in white-red, which is unusual for this format. A lot of the color combinations, like their best performing uncommon is static net, even though they're not white or their, you know, next best performing is Guy Fisher spider or something. That's not what's going on with red, white. I think the best one to splash is maybe like the blue, white soldier Lord sometimes, or maybe junkyard genius, but they don't perform well. And I think they also mess up the performance of your other cards a little bit. Like it it's, the risk-reward isn't worth it there. I, I think you're best off trying to stick to two colors if you have enough playables in two colors in right away. As far as gameplay, your game plan is basically just to curve out and push damage. Trading with your unearthed creatures, you generally want to do because um, then you guarantee that you've gotten your value out of them and you can unearth them when you want to. But you are you know, a deck that's like aggressive and trying to push damage and has removal spells... So you can use your removal spells to push damage. It's easier to do that the more creatures are in play. I've kind of talked about this before with like red-black aggressive decks with removal that you generally prefer not to trade off uh, so that you make sure that you, you can get as much value as possible out of your combat tricks and removal later. You can trade to push damage, but you don't want to trade just to like shrink the board. Also, you can use a removal spell to push damage like clear a blocker and attack. But you rarely want to do that over playing another creature. If you can play a creature instead, then you'll find a spot later where you can use the removal spell to push more damage most of the time. And I think that red-white in this format has the advantage of having pretty high card quality. Like, the cards that you're playing are just good. You're not, you know, playing a bunch of, like, really weak cards to try to get under people um, you just happen to have a good curve and be able to get under people with cards that are about as strong as what everyone else is playing. But you don't have like a really powerful late game or some kind of engine you're building, and there are a lot of decks that will go over the top of you given enough time. So you do need to be proactive and you need to be aggressive, but you don't need to panic about it. Basically, It's fine to go into the mid game, but you don't want to go into the like late game. And that's why I want to stress that like, yes, you can use a removal spell proactively to push damage to try to like close the game out before it gets to that end game. But you don't have like a bunch of reach getting them low. Doesn't accomplish anything, which is why it's better to play more creatures and then uh, use your removal spells. After you finish playing your creatures to push like more damage and to see if they play some kind of, you know, higher impact threat that you need to answer. So you're not, you know, like all in hyper aggro. You're just aggressive, proactive. You want to still play kind of a like nuts and bolts limited game where you are still trying to, you know, prioritize using your removal on their best creatures, but not at the cost of you know not spending your mana for a turn or giving up a lot of damage that you could take i think that's about as far into the gameplay as i can go but i'm trying to comment on gameplay a little bit more especially when we're at the end of the format because it's most likely to um, have some kind of application that you can take with you into other formats so uh other other Card notes. Despite the fact that you're prioritizing flyers and you want your deck to have a good number of flyers, this is still a deck where Aeronaut's Wings plays pretty well. You have a lot of high power, low toughness creatures. Some of them have flying, but a lot of them don't. And pushing damage is really important. It lets Aeronaut's Wings lets you, you know, get a lot of value out of your like random two drops and your tokens that would otherwise be dead late. So this is a this is a, a very good slash probably the best Aeronauts Wings decks. Like, I usually think that I don't want Aeronauts Wings in decks that already have a good number of flyers because it's really bad on a flyer, and I feel like I already have a way to get some persistent damage on that axis. But because that thing is so valuable to red-white, and you have so many creatures that kind of, like, get blanked otherwise, Wings ends up performing well here. Let's see. Flashy Vanguard is good. It's best if you have creatures with keywords, of course. Um, so, you know, the more vanguards you have, the more you want to watch for prioritizing creatures that have keywords like first strike and trample and flying and double strike. It can be really explosive. If you have one or two of them in your deck, you want to be pretty careful about your unearthed cards. Consider saving them until you have your vanguard to play to get some really explosive turns. There really aren't a lot of cards that are frequently valued wildly and correctly in this archetype. Like I look for cards that are outliers in terms of going late or going early, like being overplayed while not winning very much or winning a lot and being taken late or not being played enough. And there's not a lot of that, not surprisingly given everything I've said about uh, the deck is really just kind of what everyone expects it to be. But there are some cards that are played Some that do really, really badly, and those are not surprising, it's the cards that are more defensive, like the 1-4 Lifelink, Yoshin, Medic, and uh, Deadly Riposte. You really don't want those cards that really don't contribute to your aggressive game plan in your red-white deck. Uh, Those might be acceptable sideboard cards in best of three, But you need your cards to focus on killing your opponent with this deck because while it is strong and while your card quality is high, and while you can, you know, go toe to toe with people on like rate across, you know, your two, three, and four drops, and a lot of decks in this format are all prioritizing having a low curve, a lot of the decks have some kind of like good late game grindy type elements that you just don't have. Like the black decks have emergency weld to keep using their best cards. The blue decks end up with like some amount of card draw. The green decks end up with like big prototype stuff. Just usually something is going to go pretty badly for you if the game goes too long. Um, So you you really don't want cards that you can't use while you're ahead. Because once it starts turning, it's hard for you to turn it back. And that's it. It is uh, again. It, it's a deck that, like there. I don't think that there is like. Oh, but what about the big red white deck? Or you know, look, maybe maybe if you have a very large number of very expensive, very good rares, you could build some kind of red white control deck. But ninety five percent or more of your red white decks are really going to be just about you know aggressive creatures in a curve with some some removal spells so uh yeah that's it i'm gonna um, turn it over to answering questions from twitch chat while i'm letting that kind of populate i want to remind everyone about our patreon patreon.com slash drafting archetypes there are a lot of you know pretty cool limited events coming up if you're looking for help preparing for any of those i do offer personalized coaching there's a good discount available at the Drafting Archetypes Patreon. Or if you otherwise want to support the podcast, um, be sure to check it out patreon.com slash drafting archetypes. Is Flaji Dragon Engine okay in red-white or too slow? So I know that it doesn't have exceptionally good stats. I haven't looked to see if the stats are like really bad or medium. Like I have definitely played some games... Where it has impressed me. Like, I think, oh, that thing's pretty slow. And then I realize, oh, wait, my opponent can just put all their mana into it and I'm dead in two turns. And it's going to be hard for me to finish them off first. I think that the base rate, the three mana flyer version of the card is not embarrassing, I want to say, in red-white. I don't think it's a priority. I think it's worse than... My, my guess with how it looks at the stats is, you know, like, worse than the Airlift Chaplin, um, like, worse than the common white flyers, but, uh, you know, an, an acceptable support flyer. Another question was how many one-drops the archetype wants. I think that uh, people slightly overplay bad one-drops in this archetype. I saw a lot of, like, trophy decks that had... The 1 one first first strike creature, but I know that that card has like really bad stats, like 52% win rate in a good archetype. So it's really not pulling its weight. I think, you know, you're pretty happy to play Blast Runner most of the time. You're extremely happy to play Recruitment Officer, and Frontliner is very good, especially if you um, have like a uh, Flaji Vanguard to, to take advantage of the cheap on Earth later. But um, I I don't think you want to play, like, bad one-drops to have a curve. Like I said, you want to be proactive, but you don't need to be hyper-aggro because your cards are high quality and you can just go toe-to-toe on card quality. And, you know, you're an end-in-the-mid game more than an end-in-the-early game kind of aggro deck. Like, it's almost a little bit more, like red-green aggro would be in some formats, like not quite that big, but more in that kind of like mid-range proactive space, or at least it's safe to dip into that kind of thing. Of course, with more flying, that changes the texture a little bit. But I think that you're fine curving 2-3-4 instead of curving one two three. you know? Presumably, Tarkasia's annulet doesn't fit well into the archetype, but could that change if the deck has lots of self-mill? The lots of self-mill you would be playing is, you know, Mutt isn't exactly self-mill, but it it does that thing probably better than the actual self-mill. And then Airlift Chaplains and the 2-1 Red Common. I am not excited about playing the 2-1 Red Common in the deck in general. It's kind of a little bit too close to Energy Refractor for my tastes. Like, I don't think that the 2-1 is likely to push a lot of damage. And so you're kind of just, like, cantripping a low-value object into play. So, like... In terms of how many muts plus chaplains do you want to play Anulet? I think that there's a number where it's acceptable, but you know you would prefer to have like a good card that costs less than five instead. I think you would also prefer Mistress Juggernaut in all cases, basically, even though it is more expensive to unearth. But I think that it's you know not horrible to have an Anulet in your deck. I think that I would. Generally, probably prefer Onulet to the 1-1 first striker in terms of like cards that are kind of below ideal to draw and cast, but above normal to mill. Thoughts on Sigil and mass production in this archetype? Uh, I'd rather not play those cards. I think, you know, I I don't want to get fancy with this archetype. I want to just play creatures and removal. And I'd want to, you know, not play six drops unless they're like dragons or something. Is there a limit on how many Aeronaut Cavalries you should run? I mean, probably. Like, this deck is probably better off having not more than three five drops. You know, if you do have three, it changes your deck a little bit. And you just understand that, you know, you have this, like, good late game plan and you prioritize, you know, aggression a little bit less, I think. But yeah, I I think I would be totally comfortable playing three and I would get worried about the fourth, my guess, on number of Aeronaut Cavalries. But I would certainly, you know, diminishing returns on all of them. Like equipment and auras, or do you want to focus on creatures? I think that, you know, like I said, it uses wings pretty well. The Power Blade, for example, has like roughly the worst stats of any card that has stats, but it's, you know, kind of just a horrible card. I mean, the rare equipment that gives plus two power and draws cards when things die is obviously a bomb in this and most creature decks slash most decks. Aura's military discipline is good, but I don't think that there are others I'd be excited about. I struggle to find ways to trigger Blast Runner outside of red black. Uh, What do you look for in this archetype and how many enablers do you want to run it? yeah it's not the easiest to trigger um obviously it plays well with strong bowl anywhere um but of course this archetype's not amazing at making power stones but you still are gonna have some of that often it's like just the expected uncommons like mishra's bauble and research desk and stars and flasks and stuff um which is all stuff that I don't really want to prioritize super. Well, Flask specifically is something I don't want to prioritize super highly in this deck. But I think that, you know, as far as stuff you're expecting, it's mostly like Strong Bowls with Power Stones and Desk and Evolving Wilds and Bobble. And I guess it's also acceptable to play, you know, like one to two Bitter Reunions, uh, preferably not more than one. I think that. You don't really need to trigger Blast Runner more than once or twice a game for it to be solid uh, in this archetype, I guess, is the thing to keep in mind when thinking about like having enough support for it. You know, you don't want to play it if you have so little that you won't trigger it at all most of the time, but it's not like you trigger it, need to trigger it every turn for it to be good enough to play. Yeah, counter Courier, well... Combat Courier is an acceptable way to trigger Blast Runner. It's also, you know, not a great card in red-white, but it can be fine. White X is kind of the same across the board. How does white-red differ from the others? I think that that's true in a lot of ways. I think the core white creatures are, like, pretty good and want to play in a pretty similar way. Um, Like, the thing that white does well is kind of, you know, push damage with flyers with like a little bit of incidental go wide synergies. I think red is mostly offering like more efficient removal than the other colors and a little bit more explosive damage. So I think that it does end up being kind of uh, like the most aggressive um, and most straightforward, like, I think it uses ground creatures better than blue white. Like it's it doesn't have to be as into flyers because of the ability to like kill blockers to push a bunch of damage with high power ground creatures it is less it wants to trade much less than white black does. White-Black is really grinding and is interested in trading to turn on its recursion elements, whereas White-Red is trying to avoid trading to maximize its combat tricks and the amount of damage it can get out of its removal spells. And then White-Green, I feel like, often ends up being kind of more dominated by what Green's trying to do rather than what White's trying to do a lot of the time. Warlord's Elite, is it worse than people think? Uh, I don't know exactly what people think of it, but I think that it is... Very important to have a lot of cheap permanence if you're going to play with it. And I think that red-white might be bad enough at having one-drops and bad enough at wanting to play it per four and also not interested so much in giving up damage to get it down that it ends up being worse than other threes rather than the best three. I think that it's not like unplayable in red-white, but I think that there are a lot of different configurations of red-white that you could have where you would end up preferring a strong bull to a warlord's lead. Is whirling strike an important combat trick for the archetype? I think unless you have an above-average amount of removal, it is important to have combat tricks. I think whirling strike is not particularly more important than uh, military discipline or lore escape but I think that it is an effective way to get the job done. Like it, it does what you're looking for in combat tricks. There's a comment about Power Blade. I'm gonna stand by, uh, you should roughly never put Power Blade in your deck, particularly in red white. Like if you were gonna play it, it's a little bit more defensible. No, I don't even wanna say that. Just don't put Power Blade in your deck. It's win rate on 17 lands is something like 48%. The rate is just really, really, really bad. Um, it costs so much to play. And I don't think that you should be drafting your deck in such a way that you need it. Yeah, I, I mentioned that Aeronaut's Wings is good in this archetype. I think that this is Aeronaut's Wings' best archetype overall, despite the fact that you have some flyers. I could see an argument for it being better in, like, green-white or red-green sometimes. Not really, though. Yeah, it, it's, it's just best if—it's uh, best in red-white. Because you have so many like low impact ground guys, and the uh, damage that you can push it off of it's really valuable. All right, I think that's going to do it. Thanks, everyone, and I believe next week I will have enough to start getting into Phyrexia All Will Be One first looks. Uh, looking forward to that. Sorry about the mislead on Dominari Remastered, but I am you know, happy for historical purposes to not uh, overlook the best performing archetype in Brothers War. So that's it for now. And I'll be back next week.